in Psalms 100 tonight. <coughs> Excuse me. Psalms 100. I want to look at the entire chapter. I titled the message tonight, His People, and uh, it's five verses long. I, I was reading through part of Psalms, and this, this is a familiar passage, but as I read through uh, verse 3, it, it struck me again, and I was just reminded of, of this thought that we are His and not our own. And so I, I want to look at being His people. It's, this is a joyful chapter. Um, we see God's goodness in it, and we see our dependence on Him in it. And uh, so, I, I, as I most of the time do, I wrote down three points tonight. One is, we are not our own to begin with. Number two, He is everlasting, and, and uh, that is such an important part of our faith, is that God never changes and number three, we have joy in His presence. So I want to read the chapter and then we'll have a, a word of prayer. Verse 1 says, Psalms 100, verse 1, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. The word him or his is very prominent in this chapter. You look at it, it's about God. It's about Jesus Christ. It's not about me. It's not about you. And I, I hope we can live our lives that way. Um, I want to look at this idea that we are not our own this, this evening. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and grace. Father, we just praise you for uh, answered prayer. We praise you for uh, working in our lives. Lord, we just want to praise you tonight for your power, for your wisdom, and Lord, for all that you are. Father, help us to be people that enter into your courts with praise, that we have a song in our heart, that we are dependent on you, and Lord, that we find that joy and peace moment by moment in your presence. Guide tonight. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So, I was reading this, and as I said, it struck me again in verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. This morning we were in Colossians chapter 2 in Sunday school, and it spoke about our assurance of faith that God is God, that He is who He is. You go into Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and it says... We must believe that He is. If I come to God, I must believe that He is. This idea that He is God has is, is got to be completely pervasive in my life. And so many times we, we set, kind of set that aside. We will intellectually agree with it. Every time I ever ask, or you would ever ask me that, I would intellectually agree with you that yes, He is God. And then in my actions, maybe not. So, we look at this, know ye that the Lord, He is God. He is in complete control. He is the source of all things. He is, he is everything. And that's an important part of this verse. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. And then it says, we are His people. We are His people. Now Israel, we know them to be God's chosen people. Now, 
in this time, this day and age, they're set aside and we are his people. We've been grafted in. I can say I'm his, pers- his person. Very good English uh, tonight. I am his. Now, so much is involved in that. I, I was thinking about it. If I say that I'm his, I mean that he is my master. You, you can take this, you can, look at, you can look at this, and it means to be a slave. A slave. I've never personally been a slave. I wonder what that's like to be owned by another individual. To have everything that you do dictated by another individual. We wouldn't like it. And we fought for our freedom, and I praise the Lord for that. Slavery is wrong. <laughs> it's not a hard thing to argue. We should not do that to one another. But when I look at this, it is, it is liberty in Christ that I now get to serve the King of Kings. I am a, I'm a slave to one of two things, to one of two individuals. Either I'm, I'm a slave to the Prince of Darkness, or I'm a slave to the Master. And so I praise the Lord that He redeemed me, and I'm no longer a slave to sin. Well, what's that mean? We say it, but what's it mean? And, and I'm preaching to the choir tonight. I'm not. I'm not giving you uh, new things. If I am, throw me out of the pulpit. There's nothing new under the sun. But turn with me to First Corinthians chapter six. First Corinthians chapter six, nineteen and twenty. Psalms 100 says, I am, his, I am His, we are His people. This says, I'm not my own. It's the same thought, but maybe this, maybe this just takes it a step further or explains it a step more. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? He says, don't you know this? Christian, when you gave Him your heart and soul, this is what happened. I'm no longer mine, for you are bought with a price. I don't want to skim over the price. Uh, Ralph preached and taught about what Christ did for us, the price that was paid to purchase my redemption. And we cannot articulate it. We don't, we don't know the suffering that Christ went through. We cannot imagine it or picture it. They can't do it in Hollywood, no matter how gruesome they want to make it. They cannot recreate what Christ went through. Because it was more than the physical anguish. It was the anguish of the burden of sin. It was the anguish of being rejected by God. Having his father turn his back on him. There's no way to, to understand the suffering. Understand the price that was paid for you and for me. So, when it says, I'm no longer my own, I, I'm bought with an infinite price. This great sacrifice was made for me. And made for you. Therefore, it says, glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are God's. Those things that you have control of, you are now to be glorifying Him. Everything I do in my life then, moment by moment, is His. I'm now His bond slave. I'm at God's beck and call. Somebody wrote that. I'm at His beck and call. No matter what he asks. And so, am I living my life seeking his will only? 
I have desires. I have things I would like to see happen. There's, there's things that we want to do in life, and that's, that's not wrong. Obviously, we, we, have to, we have to provide for our families. We have, to, we have to do those things that are necessary to get through the day, day by day. All right? Now we have to work overtime to fill our gas tank. Right? It's only going to get worse. So we have these things in life. But it's all a means to the greater end. It's all for the glory of God. If I can see it that way, even you all know that we're remodeling our bedroom and it's, it's a long process. The master bedroom uh, a couple weeks ago was just a disaster area. The twins describe it as the bedroom is broken. <laughs> the broken room. Daddy's fixing the broken room. Can I do that for more than our comfort? Can I glorify God in that? We look at it and we think, well, it's kind of mundane. But if I am going to serve Him with everything, if I am His bond slave, those things are for His glory as well. Can I view life this way? He is God. I'm no longer my own. I don't have a will. I don't have a will. We're all very stubborn. Ask my wife how stubborn I am. Why? Because we have strong wills. Because our flesh is, is, is selfish. It wants what it wants. But can I get a hold of the idea that I'm no longer my own? My life is not mine. The things that I have are not mine. It's all His. Back in our text, know ye that the Lord, He is God. That's the key right there. Accepting that He is God, that He is preeminent. It is He that hath made us, and we are not, our, not ourselves. Sometimes we get this idea that we're pretty self-sufficient. You know what? What you have and what you've come in this life is by the grace of God. And it can all be gone in an instant. It can all be taken away in an instant. It's because of Him. We are His people. We live in His pastures. So I wanted to say we're not our own tonight. And I don't think I need to beleaguer the point. He is everlasting. He is everlasting. Verse 5 says, For the Lord is good. <laughs> the Lord is good. There's another just simple statement. It means that everything He does is right. And we know that. Do we live by it? He is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. What a blessing that statement is right there. His truth endureth to all generations. The same gospel that Paul was preaching in Antioch and in the known world at the time is the gospel that stands for you and for me. God hasn't changed it one little bit. It was perfect then, and it's perfect now. And I was, I, I was tempted to do a Bible drill tonight, but I'll spare you that. Um, maybe one of these Sunday nights we'll do it. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 90, verse 2. I, I just want to look at some verses about God. We, we can dwell on His, His attributes and be blessed from the Word of God. He is everlasting. All that He does is perfect and never changes. Psalms 90 
We'll read verse 1. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. <laughs> you are preeminent. Before time began until time future, there is no beginning nor ending. You're preeminent in all things. That's another thing our mind can't wrap around. None of us can grasp infinity. You can't, I can't understand something that doesn't have a beginning and an end. Everything that we know has a beginning and an end. This great country that we live in had a very definite beginning, and we're coming towards a very definite end. All that we know has a beginning and end, except for God. I don't say I understand it, but I by faith accept it. I know that it's true. I know that what he told Adam in the Garden of Eden is the same thing he tells me today. He never changes. Revelation chapter 22, verse 13. Hold your place in Psalms, because we'll be right back. Verse 13, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I am everything. That's what that statement is. I started it. I'm going to end it. I am everything. The first and the last, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. That, that's the God that we serve. When it says, do we know He's God? Well, that that we the those that are he who we put our faith in never changes. Back in Psalms one oh two, verse twenty five through twenty seven. Of old hast thou laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works work of thy hands. They shall perish but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. Thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. The Bible goes on and on and on about it. That God is always the same. His word never changes. This living, breathing word of God. And it's in the King James Version of the Bible that it is perfectly preserved for the English language. I praise the Lord for that. What a blessing to know that this is preserved by God and perfect because He said it is. <laughs> because He says, I'm going to keep it from generation to generation. You know how many attempts have been to destroy this Bible and are still going on today throughout generations. Yet God said, I never change and my word will never perish. It's always there. So that that I place my trust in is constant. Nothing else, nothing else in life is that way. He who is your master, he who you are the bond slave under, never changes, has never changed, and will never change. That's assurance right there. It's power and it's, and it's, and it's uh, peace. Isaiah chapter 40. 
Isaiah chapter 40, one more about God, about his what's the right word about his continuing presence (laughs) 40 verse 28 hast thou not known hast thou not heard that the everlasting God the Lord the creator of the ends of the earth fainteth not neither is weary There is no searching of his understanding. Verse 29, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. We we like the part of running without being weary. We like the wings as eagles. And that walking with Him constantly. But it is based upon our faith in Him. It is based upon our total dependence on Him. That He never changes. That I know all that He does is right. That He never gets weary. That He never faints. He never stops. So he's working for me day and night. And I know that he is God then. That's an amazing thought. One that I hope I never get over. I never will. Because I know in eternity I'm going to praise him for it. But he who, he who made all things and holds all things together with the power of his word seeks me and walks with me and guides me and I can come into His presence. I can dwell with Him. He's never fainting. He's never not there. So He's everlasting. I, go back to Psalms 100. I looked at it, and, and David, is, David is constantly saying, let's praise the Lord. Let's make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Let's serve Him with gladness. Let's come before His presence with singing. Why? Because he's God. Because he in his, inf- in his infinite power and wisdom stopped and took time for me. He stopped and took time for you. So I, I can sing and praise. Praise his name. I can have joy and purpose and peace in my life. His mercy is everlasting, it says. You praise him for his mercy every morning get up in the morning and I think about what I did the day before. I go back over the day in my head many times. And I think, God's mercy is so great. I failed Him yesterday, like I did the day before, and like I did the day before, and so on and so forth. And yet He's given me another day today, where He speaks to me in His Word. He's spending time with me, This creator of all things, the creator of the universe who put the billions and billions of stars in space in perfect placement. It is still amazing to me that they take evolution as fact and teach it. That all of a sudden this cosmic explosion, boom, and out of that chaos, the sun hit this exact spot, and the earth hit an exact spot, and the moon hit an exact spot, and we've stayed there. 
That's insanity. If you can't look at it and say there's a designer involved with infinite wisdom, because it took us thousands of years to figure out how this earth works. And we're still discovering a lot of that. But how we orbit around the, around the sun and the moon orbits around the earth and the earth orbits on its axis. And yet God spoke it and there it was. And it stays perfectly there. That God spends time with me every day. His ear is inclined to my prayer. He wants that presence. He wants that fellowship with me. I don't understand that. And therefore, I can praise Him. Can't we get up and sing in the morning? We're going to spend eternity with the Lord. We have joy in His presence. Verse 4, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him, and bless His name. So tomorrow morning, when you get up, enter into His courts with thanksgiving. Stop and consider who you are and what God has done for you. And praise His holy name, whether you feel like it or not. It, it's, it's a command in the Word of God. I have a command to praise Him. Because He's worthy. We start praising Him and we will have a different outlook on the day. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13 speaks of praising Him. Searching for the Lord. Looking for that presence. Enter into his courts, it says in verse 4 in our, in our text. Verse 29, verse, chapter 29, verse 13 of Jeremiah says, And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Ye shall seek me and find me, when ye search for me with all your heart. He who bought you with a price, he who owes me nothing, yet just because of his unconditional love, is seeking me. I seek him with my whole heart, and he says, he will be found. If you've never found the Lord, it's because you're not seeking him with all your heart. When you do, and when you give him that heart, your heart and soul, and you find that presence of God, you'll understand joy and peace. Enter into his courts with praise, and in that presence... There is peace. There is protection. Hebrews chapter 13. You look around at the, what's going on in the world today and, and what happened this past week. And I think we better be looking up. I believe the end is near. I know it's nearer today than it's ever been before. And I know that one of these days soon we're going to hear that trump. And they're going to shout and we're going to be out of here. So we need to be looking up. We need to know that in His presence there's protection. Until now, From now until then, I have peace and protection with Him. He says He's never going to leave me nor forsake me. Hebrews chapter 13, 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For He hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Verse 6, I love it. It takes away the fear. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. My helper is Almighty God, the creator of the universe. All of, that man, all of man's devices have no power against my God. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. There's no greater protection than in the presence of God. 
I believe it was last week I was talking about Richard's, I mean Richard Sherman. <laughs> Not Richard Sherman, he's a football player. Uh, sure, not even Sherman. Stonewall Jackson, get my, get my terms right. Stonewall Jackson. And, and he was a Calvinist, so he believed that God predestined who was going to be saved and who wasn't. And that is not in the scriptures. But he believed in the sovereignty of God. I've thought about it quite a bit. To know that He is God. He got a hold of these verses right here and took them and lived by them. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Rode his horse in the front lines of the worst of the battle in the Confederate, for the Confederate Army. As musket balls are flying around him, the other men in the, in, the, in the Confederate Army are looking at him thinking, Wow, what is he thinking? Get down, you're going to get shot. You're the, you're the leader, you're our commander, we need you. And they ask him about it. Why are you up there like it's a country stroll? And he said, God chooses the moment I die. He is sovereign in my life. So until God says it's my time, those union muskets have no power over me. So it wasn't just stupid bravado that had him doing it. He believed in God. We're listening to an audio tape right now of of uh, Andrew, a missionary, who was a Bible smuggler. And, it, and we're just getting to, it's in our band, so we aren't listening to it a lot, but little snippets as we drive around. And it's it coming to, he's growing in his faith. He's seeing God provide for him. And he's understanding that he can go behind the Iron Curtain. And, and walk around handing out Scripture and, and know that God is going to supply for him. He's understanding more and more that God is God. He was handing out tracts in Poland. And he said that when he started handing out these tracts, if he saw the soldiers coming, the Russian soldiers, he would go and hide. He'd get, a, get where they couldn't find him. But he said, finally the Lord convicted me about this. Why am I hiding from these men? God is God. And so he waited and he gave a couple of them a track. And they started talking to him. Well, directly their commander came up and told them to get on down the road and do their job. And he asked Andrew, what are you doing? And so Andrew gave him his track and they spoke in German and he started and witnessed to the man for two hours. A communist soldier, a leader, who, according to the communist law, then should have thrown Andrew in jail. Probably could have gotten away with killing him. But because he just trusted God, he understood that God was there with him. He said, I'm not going to run anymore. I'm not hiding from these soldiers. I'm going to give them the gospel. Now, it didn't say whether that soldier got saved, but we do know that the word of God never returns void. You know that he heard the gospel that day. And so he was able to understand that I'm not going to stop serving God. He's with me. What about in our jobs? What about just day by day? It's pretty intimidating. I, I, don't get me wrong. To stand up in our society today and, and speak of the things of God. Andrew, when he was, he had gotten saved he, by reading his Bible and spending time just with God, 
Uh, he had never been told a clear gospel message. He grew up religious. Um, got in the army, got shot in the foot, was disabled, came out, and, and uh, had met this Christian girl who challenged him to go to church. And he went to church because he thought she was pretty and he wanted to know her better. And went to the church service drunk, sat in the back and laughed the whole service. They sang, they sang some songs, and the one song was, uh, Let My People Go. And he said the words of that song stuck in his head. And it was like this, the words changed in his mind to let me go. And he was, the Holy Spirit was telling him, you're in bondage. So he went home. He was discharged from the army. He went home and started reading his Bible constantly. Started reading his Bible and going to every religious service he could go to. Just, if the church doors were open, he went. He said, I was in a church service every day. Until his family got worried that he was going, uh, that he is uh, having some mental issues from being in the battles. They thought he was losing his mind. And he was reading and praying, and the Lord showed him that he had to give him his heart and soul. And he did. And then he went to a service, and the pastor there said, I believe that there's a young man here today that the Lord's going to send to the mission field. And he and his buddy got up and we're going to leave. <laughs> not going to be us. You're not, you're not uh, uh, tying me into this thing. And he said as they were walking down the aisle trying to get out, everybody in the service was watching them, and they felt self-conscious and they sat down at the end of the aisle. He said before it was all over, the Holy Spirit had spoken to his heart and he came forward. He and his buddy that had both gotten saved, came forward, and the pastor said, okay, well, in a week from now, you're going to give your testimony on the, on a, the block of the mayor's house in your hometown. So he said, there was no way he was going to do that. He said, I'm in my mind telling him no, but he said, somehow, in my thinking I was going to say, say no, the words came out that I would do it, and I told him my name and my address, and he said, I, I consented, and so did my, my friend. So a week later, they go, and he's, they, this, this pastor had set up a platform. He said, I thought I'd go there, and there'd be a handful of people. He said, I went there, and there's this great big crowd. The pastor set up a platform and said, these two young men want to tell you what happened in their life. So his buddy went first, and he said, I was sitting there with a written out, prepared testimony that I was going to give when I stood up on the platform. And he said, in all the battles, I think you'd been in Poland in the war? In the Dutch-Indonesian War, that's right. In all of that, he said, nothing frightened me like standing up in front of those people that night. Said, so as I was getting ready to stand up, he said, in my fear, I just got rid of the speech that I had prepared. And he started, I gave my testimony. He said, just started telling them about what God had done in my life. He said, I understood that God was with me there. And he said, I figured out something, that I enjoyed giving my testimony and talking about God's working in my life. And he started witnessing to people. I was thinking about it. There's joy in the presence of God. Andrew, Andrew, as he is walking with God and growing in his faith, he's seeing the power of God and experiencing joy and experiencing peace. And this verse 6 of chapter 13 of Hebrews, that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do 
unto me. I'm going to go and serve God. And he did. And he, he was able to rejoice in it. And back in our, our text, I'm going to read Psalms 100 again, and then we'll close in a word of prayer. Do you know that he is God? Because with that comes the joy and the peace and the strength. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for our time tonight. Just thank you for the day today. Father, we are rejoicing in your provision and, and in answered prayer. and Lord, just to see your power again. Father, we ask that you would help our faith to grow. That every moment of every day this week, we would, we would acknowledge you as God. Father, that we would be your servants. That you would be our master. That we would surrender our will to you in every moment of every day. Father, it is the Christian life. It is the life you have for us, that we live submitted to you, that we live humble, and we live a life that brings glory to your honor and your name. Father, guide us this week. Use us, Lord, to be a witness. Father, give us boldness when those times come, that we will tell others about you. Father, that we would hear of souls being saved in Wichita Falls. In Christ's holy name we pray, amen. You are dismissed.